All right, welcome back to Cover 3 Sports with David, Nick, and Matt. Uh, say hi, guys. Hey, what's up? How's it going? So it's, we've been in a, a little bit of a hiatus, you know, since the Super Bowl ended. Um, so uh, we're back, and we're ready to rock and roll. Uh, this week's episode, we're going to be doing a all-time NFL coaching draft, where each of us will basically pick a coach that we think of all the coaches all time should be that position coach, like running back coach, offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, and just basically essentially draft a team, put a team together um, of coaches. Cause you know, yes. I mean, a lot has always talked about the players, but we, uh, but not enough. I don't think is talked about the coaches and not just the head coaches, but the, but the, the little guys, if you will, that put in the hard work as well. Uh, especially so that sometimes go, that sometimes goes unnoticed. And uh, yeah. Anyway, so we'll be doing that. Uh, we're also going to talk uh, talk about uh, the MLS, Major League Soccer, uh, made its debut. Um, what day was that? This last week, right? Uh, this last weekend. Yep. This last weekend, uh, we'll be talking about the power rankings for that for the top three teams, and um, and just kind of uh, discuss that uh, momentarily. Uh, we'll also be having our regular uh, uh, I'm going to call it annual. What would you call that? Or just, I guess, weekly uh, tradition of quick takes at the end of, end of the episode, which you, each of us will have a small topic that we go over and just a quick little discussion about. And um, that's pretty much it. But, we'll, but we will be starting off with just a quick, quick recap regarding the Super Bowl, because there is something that we do need to bring up regarding that. But before we get into anything else, please go on to Spotify and leave us a five-star review, if you could, please. We're on our podcast on this episode and just the podcast as a whole uh, for Cover 3 Sports. And send us an email, you know, uh, Cover 3 Sports. The three is spelled out, so Cover3Sports at gmail.com. Um, s- send us an email just saying what you like, what you don't like, uh, something that you want us to talk about or something that you, you know, or that you want us to highlight or whatever. I mean, just, you know, send, send something out to us. We're down to talk about it and, and get the listeners involved. So uh, we definitely want to do that. But um, before we get started, anything, Dad Boys? No, I'm excited for this coach's draft. We've talked about it, I think, uh, like a week before the Super Bowl. And so we've had a lot of time to think about it. I think I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Hey. No, I got nothing, man. I'm ready to go. Let's go. <laughs> let's let's okay. do it. Well, so I, I – what was that? So, David, you want to explain what we're doing? Yeah. Well, first, before we get into the coach the coaching draft, just a quick little update. Obviously, at this point, we all know the Chiefs – uh, in a great game uh, in the Super Bowl, I mean, uh, came out uh, triumphant against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, if you, if anyone remembers regarding our, where we were at with our picks for the playoffs, uh, essentially, um, I think I think did, did we not all pick the Chiefs or or did someone pick you, you guys pick the Eagles? No, we picked the me and Nick picked the Eagles. You picked and, the Chiefs. That's you right. The Chiefs to win and the tiebreaker to win. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And of course, he got it. So the Chiefs win, and with Butker's kick to, to win the game, I won. I essentially won the tiebreaker as well. So, congrats to David. <laughs> uh, but no, honestly, o- <laughs> overall, it was a great Super Bowl, and it's really is. And uh, in the coming weeks, I mean, the combine's obviously going down, and the draft is just around the corner. Uh, free agency is going to be starting pretty pretty darn soon here. So uh, there's already been some ripples on that with certain players being released and rumors of other players being released as well. So it ought to be a very interesting um, offseason for the NFL, and I'm excited for that to go down. Uh, but for today, 
before getting into any of that, um, let's talk about the coaches draft. So, like I said before at the beginning of this episode, uh, there's I we I don't believe, and I think Matt and Nick would agree that enough light is shed on the uh, not just uh, I mean the head coach. Sure, everyone always talks about head coaches and stuff, but I mean other than that, and maybe somewhat the coordinator positions, like offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. There's there's the little guys that don't get much much light, which regarding like a tight ends coach. The uh, defensive line coach, QB coach. These are coaches that are that are absolutely integral to the operation of, an, of a professional football team. And what we did is we went over the entire history of the NFL and we essentially put together our own uh, coaches at, at every single position on a team. Well, not every single one, but at least the, uh, the ones that we're going to be talking about today. Um, and then essentially we're going to be doing a, a draft. So I'm going to go on a website here called thewillofnames.com and I'm going to be I put my name Nick and Matt's in there I'm going to spin the little spinner here which will determine our draft order and essentially once we get started uh, we'll, we're, we're each going to name our candidate for head coach who we think the head coach of the of this overall team should be we won't say why but we'll just name the name the name and then that first pick for person that gets first pick they'll pick for offensive coordinator and then we'll go to the next person who will then pick the next offensive coach and so on and so forth until we're done with offense. We'll go through the defensive coaches as well. Uh, and then, and, and once that p- person is selected, that, that's locked in. There's no changing it out, nothing. That's that person's in and that's, and that's what it is. And that person who, cho- who chooses that coach, of course, will give a little blurb on why they think that person should be in that position. But once we get to the very end, we're going to talk about our head coaches and go over why we think the head coach we chose, our nominee, should be the head coach of the all-time NFL uh, team here for, for coaches. And then at that point, once we're done, each going over who we think it should be, uh, then at that point we'll dis- we'll vote, the three of us will vote, and um, each give our vote on who we think the of the three, which one it should be. And my hope is we'll at least get two votes for one, but we'll see what <laughs> happens, you know, because hopefully it's not a stalemate because that would, you know, but we'll see. I mean – Filibuster this thing, baby. Filibuster, baby. But, but honestly, no matter – we'll see what happens, but – um, but yeah, so that's essentially what we're going to be doing right now at the beginning of the episode. So uh, without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and spin the little wheel here. Give it a second here. And it looks like the first pick goes to Nick. That's right, baby. Ooh. We got Nick with the first pick. So put that down, boys. You got Nick. Get my little paper here. So we got Nick with the first pick. We'll remove him. And then the next pick's going to be. Oh, it's going to be close. Oh, barely. <laughs> barely went over to me. So, <laughs> I, I think promise, this is rigged. I promise you guys, this is for reals. And then, of course, that <laughs> leaves Matt for the last one. So, so it's going to go Nick, myself, and then Matt. So. All right, so first and foremost, let's go over our head coach nominees. Um, Nick, you get to say your nominee first. Who's your nominee for head coach? I mean, Bill Belichick. I mean, I I, I got to go with their hands down, Bill Belichick. That's the guy I'm rolling with. Super confident about it. You're talking about a guy that has not only modernized. Oh, Nick, Nick, not to, Nick, not to interrupt you, but we're not going into why. We're just naming the nominees at this point. Well, fine. <laughs> then all right david who do you got well, okay, hold on well, i gotta send my guy well, to the uh 
you know, I got to get my cue card to the desk and then he's going to announce Bill Belichick. Give me a second. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's not official, Nick. You're putting up your recommendation. Right. Oh, we're going to okay. pick it. We're going to pick the head coach at the end. All right. Okay. Bill Belichick. Okay. David, who you got? My, my vote, Vince Lombardi. Hmm. Or Jesus. <laughs> um, good news, David. I also choose Belichick. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, we can't have the same one. You have to have a different one. No, that's my pick. There's no question. So, what? We, we'll vote on it later, but well, that's for, fine. For the record, for the record, I, I I wrote down three names just in case something like this happened. Okay, that's fine. I wrote down one name for head coach because it's obvious, but that's we'll oh talk about it later. Gracious. Wait a second. <laughs> So is the concept of this that we're drafting coaches or we're is draft, the concept we're dra- of this? We're, we're drafting everything else. David wanted us to put our uh, recommendations out for head coach now, pick the rest, and then we'll vote on our head coach at the end. Right. Okay. Okay. So now that we've got our potential head coach picks outlined. Well, and what's crap about this is I, I have Bill Belichick as one as well, but I mean, I put two other coaches just in, just in case someone else chose him before I could go. I mean, okay. I guess. Do you want me course, to? You want me to put another name out there, and then we'll come back to it. Yes. Okay. Uh, Pete Carroll. Oh my gosh! Whatever. <laughs> Fine. I'm writing down Pete Carroll for your nominee. Gracious sakes. Okay. So let's go. We'll go to the next thing here. So the first one that we're going to go over then. Uh, so Nick gets the first pick. It's going to be offensive uh, offensive coordinator. Nick, who's your pick? And you can explain why, because obviously at this point, this is locked in. This will be our offensive coordinator for our team. Wait, All right, wait a Nick. Second. So, so now you send your card up to the to the commissioner, and he announces who is our offensive coordinator. Okay, uh, real fast. I can I can go with anybody, even Bill Belichick, right? No, no, Belichick. Well, I mean, Belichick's probably off the table. Okay, so all those nom- the three nominees are off the table. Everything else is good to go right well just keep in mind so for example whoever you choose right now once you choose them they're gone you can't pick them again for anything else no one can okay because obviously you can't you can't have one coach do i mean multiple things i mean in some teams there's certain things that you can't do that but But not an all-time coaching staff for our purposes it's going to be one pick and they're off the list okay so go ahead all right so my offensive coordinator is going to be uh The all-time great Bill Walsh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, You're talking about a guy that modernized the passing game. Uh, He's got a huge tree uh, of other coaches that have entered the league. Every aspect of offense has run through him. And, uh, you know, you even have head coaches now that are considered great. Their foundation is built off of his system. So I feel 100% confident, whether it's back in his era or if you even take him into this era now, uh, the genius of this man would be able to adapt to any era. And so Bill Walsh, offensive coordinator. Interesting. I had two names for my list on OC. He was one of them, but he wasn't my first pick, which I will tell you who that is later. You know, he, you know, honestly, he was on my list as well. I made three uh, for most of them, two for, and for some of the positions. 
but uh, but definitely he was in the, he was in the top three for me, uh, and mostly because he's the father of the West Coast offense. I mean, I right. mean absolutely. So beyond that, uh, well, so are we saying later who our other two were at? Matt, is that what we're gonna do? No, I'll probably use mine somewhere else since he didn't get oh. picked here. That's okay. so I don't want to don't want to blow it yet. That's a really good, that's a good point. So, but okay, so Bill Walsh is now our offensive coordinator for our team. Uh, so I'm the next pick for QB coach. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Andy Reid. Uh, the man has been was the quarterback coach to Bart, Brett Favre. He also handled and, and was able to coach up uh, Donovan McNabb, Alex Smith to that to the to the resurgence of his career as well, and of course Mahomes. And there's no question that Andy Reid is a quarterback whisperer, and the man um, is a genius when it comes to to the game of football. So for me, it's got to be Andy Reid. It only took one pick to fit uh, fix what I had. I had uh, Andy Reid as my OC. So did I. And I would have had um, Bill Walsh as my QB coach. So, you know, we're on the right track. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Matt, you are up next. The next pick is going to be for running back coach. Running back coach. This was, this was tough. I had two names, um, and I had to go with one or the other. I'm going with... Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs. Yep. All right, Created one of the one of the best all time running attacks. Uh, changed the game and how you wanted to run the ball. He was basically the Bill Walsh of the run game uh, during his time. So I I figure where else? I mean, there's two positions a run game guy fits the most, and he's my running back. Running backs coach. There you go. There you go. All right. So then, there we go. So, we, uh, any thoughts on Joe Gibbs, Nick? Uh, no, I mean you're you're talking. I think Matt hit it right on the head. You're talking about a guy that kind of uh, was a key component in, in inventing the the modern day running game. So, you guys are starting to sound like Chris Collinsworth. Here's a guy that taught the game. Here's the a guy, <laughs> Joe. He was completely. I don't know why we're making this pick. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Uh, <laughs> oh, dang. Nice, nice. I'm going to have to bleep that one out. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> apologize. Dang it. I, I kind of want to say what my, my, other, my other choices were. For we we can talk case. about it afterwards when we're all done. Okay, okay. No, that's, that's uh, a good so we'll talk <laughs> about, like, close, close calls, right? Close calls. Okay. Yeah. Um, so all right. Reiterate, we're, we're devising, we're building one um, – we're building one team of, uh, of coaches and everything. We're not all having our separate. I'm assuming. Correct. Got Correct. Right, right. Right. So Nick's up. Who's what positions he got? Wait, wait, wait. Nick just, Oh, wait. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. I just right. went. Yeah. So you just went. So Nick is up for wide receiver coach. Nick, go ahead. Oh, do I got to go wide receiver coach? That's what's next. Oh, well, Fine. Unless uh, you want me to pull an audible. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I wanted another position too. You just have to deal with it. I guess that's true. So, yeah, you get, you get, buy receiver coach, Nick. Yeah. Come on, Nick. I got one already, buddy. Think about it. 
you could always really try to like screw David overall too. Cause if somebody gets picked here and now he can't be used as a head coach later. Showing that out there. Oh my gosh. Don't do that. <laughs> Let's be serious about this boys. Come on. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's right. Patrick Mahomes brother. <laughs> <laughs> What? Well, oh, that's Dang. not what he was going to pick. Oh. So here's the problem: is that I thought this game was going to be where we build our own team. So <laughs> I actually had uh, um, Andy Reid as my uh, like my wide receivers coach because <laughs> I still wanted him on my team. Oh, <laughs> Do you want to trade? Man. You could always trade this pick to to David and move on. Um, but here's your penalty if you trade this pick right now you get skipped on your next pick oh I like that that's good wow okay um, time's on the clock you're running out of time Nick I'm running out of time the huh? commissioner's getting impatient the crowd's booing you as you walk up to the stage <laughs> oh wait no that's the commissioner sorry you know what uh, I'll say this I, I'm going to pick right now here we go So I'm going to go with this coach because he was a player's coach and he could handle some of the best divas on his team in the era that he won. Um, and I'm going to go with Jimmy Johnson. Ooh, okay. Okay. Wow. Well, right. He handled Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders, uh, Haley, uh, um, Emmett Smith. I mean, I mean, Emmett Smith was never really a problem, but he did have a holdout for the first two games of the season, which uh, Jimmy Johnson was his quote was, gosh, bleep, bleep, pay the man to, uh, <laughs> to the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so I'm gonna go. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, he's a proven only time that, that Dallas has been relevant in the last, what, 20 something years, 30 years. Uh, so to me. Uh, incredible coach, incredible um, potentially GM in building the da- single-handedly building the Dallas Cowboys, and great players coach. I'm gonna go Jimmy Johnson, wide receivers coach. Man, interesting. Is Jimmy Johnson an offensive guy or a defensive guy? I actually don't know off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure you'd figure it out, but I was just curious. I was like, oh man, is he? Is he what? Oh, he was a defense coordinator. But, again, I think you'd do a great job there. I won't, yeah, I, won't I, was, I was between Jimmy Johnson and, like, a Tony Dungy that's got more of an offensive-minded thing. But Pretty sure Dungy was a DB. He was a DB, but uh, he was great in the, the scheme that he had developed and um, in sign, or not signing, drafting wide receivers in that offense. Oh. Fair enough. And uh, I've heard a lot about him talking about not only the the personnel of the offensive scheme that he ran, but the kind of like the faith based. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, dang it! You know what? Can I can I uh, <laughs> can I have that card back? Because it got to the table. Uh, it's gone to the table. All right, yeah, move I, on. You lost your pick. You're all right. Okay, David, you're up. Okay, I'm up in the next position. It's the last offensive position. Um, the most important position. The tight end coach. 
Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Wait, what was your what was the position you were talking about? <laughs> uh, the line coach, offensive line. Oh, sorry, my bad. That's not the last one. Oh man, you go tight end, and I'll do O line. I've got to. Get- oh, yeah. I, I wanted O line so bad. That sucks. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Okay, so all right, tight ends coach. Gosh, doing it. How did I mess that up? I'm so frustrated with myself right now. <laughs> You're even in charge right now. You could have done whatever I know. you want. I pretty much could have. I just didn't think about it. I looked at the wrong part of the page. Okay, so tight ends yeah. coach. I was between two guys. Um, both, uh, you know, um, not surprisingly enough, were, were coaches for the Kansas City Chiefs during their tenures, uh, one of which that is still there now. Um, but at this point, um, it was very close for me, but I think I'm going to go with the guy that not only is still the the, the leader uh, when it comes to, to, comes to tight ends, also the uh, a guy that um that coached a tight end that was also the one of the best blocking tight ends as well during during his time in the league uh, at least for the team that he was on anyway he wasn't just a receiving threat he also could block like very very well uh for two excellent running backs in NFL history so that being said I will go I'm going to go with Keith Rowan uh, who is oh. the who is the tight ends coach for Tony Gonzalez? Okay. So, was he a head coach? Um, I'm not sure to be honest with you. I just know he co- I know he was a co- he coached. Um, I know that he co- he coached Tony Gonzalez, but I wasn't sure where he coached. But beyond that, I think he. Let's see here. Oh, because he was the tight ends coach for the Chiefs, and then. He was uh, no. He went. He was an offensive coordinator for the Cardinals for from 05 to 06, and then oh, Falcons. that's right, yeah, yeah. And then he went to the Falcons as the tight end coach in 07. So he never became. He was never a head coach. He was either offensive line at, at the, the highest he ever got on the on the coaching ladder, if you will, was offensive coordinator. But it's yeah. So we'll give it to him. But yeah, I had yeah, I had Vince Lombardi there actually. Is or not? Yeah, I had to shoehorn him in somewhere, and I felt like he was—he ran an offense that was tight end favorite, or I guess they called it split end at the time. But you know, I think that would have been a good pick. But I—I yeah. I like your pick, Tony Gonzalez. I actually flirted with that name myself. I just wasn't sure if he counted. Well, hey, the Vince Lombardi one though—that's a good call because uh, I mean he must have been a pretty darn good coach that he coached a tight end Max McGee who was who uh who got drunk the night before the Super Super Bowl one. And uh, was able and caught a touchdown pass the next day in the game, and even though he was hungover. So, hey, right. must be good coaching, right? <laughs> must be. I'm, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, All right. But so, Keith, but Keith Rowan uh, is our tight ends coach. So, Matt, who is our offensive line coach? I had a guy with the last name name of Shanahan. But not the young one, the new one, Mike Shanahan. Really? Yeah. Zone scheme, run-based guy. I think that seems as good a fit as any. If we're picking head coaches, that's another guy who revolutionized the run game. And so I think he'd do a great job. So so Mike Shanahan, he's the younger one? No, older one. Oh, his, his dad? His dad for the oh, Broncos. You said younger. Oh, you said not That's the younger one. My bad. My Come bad. on, man. Words have meaning. 
but anyways, I had kind of him and Joe Gibbs kind of floating back and forth for both those positions, and uh, I got to use both of them, so I'm going to take it. There you go, baby. There you go. Do you guys have any other O-line guys that you thought of? Um, you know, um, I, I'm embarrassed to say that actually looking at my list, I didn't, I, that's the one thing I did not put down. <laughs> oh my gosh. How fitting is that? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so a position sorry. that always gets forgotten. The hey, off- I love <laughs> offensive line. I'm all about O-line, baby. Man. Come on now. Come I on. Just, what happened well, was, the fu- no, wait, wait. Funny- what happened was, is I wrote down DL coach on my sheet here. But later on, when I went back, I thought I wrote OL. So, like, I just overlooked it. So, it's my bad. My handwriting sucks. Okay. I'm sorry. What were you going to say, Nick? No, I actually had um, for O line coach uh, because I thought we all were doing our individual ones. I actually had Joe Gibbs. Uh, yeah. He built the entire modern day system of running back. And so I was like, I mean, he's got to be a genius, you know, for O line. So. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, yeah. I'd be fine with that. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Well, there you go. So wait, Matt, All right. Matt, that was your pick, right? Correct. Okay, so we're going to our next one here, which is the start of defense. So defensive coordinator, and Nick gets the lucky job of picking that one. Man, you get to pick both coordinators, Nick. Better be a freaking good one, Nick. <laughs> See, here's here's the problem. There's a million great candidates for this. There uh, were a lot of not. defensive coaches overall. I had a hard time picking defensive coaches. I thought offense I picked pretty easily, but... There's only three. Sorry. There's a lot of good head coaches that were defensive guys. Exactly. I mean, you can go Tom Landry, who is the the you want to call him the scientist or the or the the man the man invented the four three defense that right. I like most of the league uses today. He invented the flex defense and the different personnel on different packages. So I mean you could you could technically go Tom Landry. You could also uh you can go Wade Phillips. Now Wade Phillips is more of a modern day uh, I know this is a huge step back. You know what? Let me um, let me save him. I can't believe it. Go then to, to Chuck Knoll, uh, Steelers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, head coach. Uh, won Super Bowls there. And um, Yeah, but who, who was Chuck Knoll's defensive coordinator? I'm sorry? I said Chuck Knoll's defensive coordinator. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to say it. Like, who's your, who are you picking? Who you got, Nick? You got to pick. I'm going to go with – you know what? I'm going to go with um, – oh, gosh. G- give me a countdown here. Ten. Five, four, oh. <laughs> three, <laughs> two. I'm going to go One. Tom Landry. I'm going to go All Tom right. Landry. I, okay. I know that's more of a safe pick, but I, I like it. The way that I look at, at this is if, you know, because a lot of times we always, it's hard to judge era to era, but you're talking about, I, I really 
put a lot of emphasis and praise to people that invent things. And this guy created the defensive scheme that we still use today. And so to say that I, I that he couldn't be able to evolve to the way the game is played now, I, I just I, I have tremendous doubt in in that being a reality. Like he could definitely translate to now. So I'm going Tom Landry. Yeah, Tom Landry. That was my number one pick as well. I think that was a good pick, Nick. All right. That was good. That was good. But I, I'll, I'm just a shout out though to the uh, to the is it the, to the Carson family. I mean, Chuck Noll, obviously one of the best coaches of all time. But the defensive coordinator for the Steel Curtain was Bud Carson. Just saying. But anyway. Mm. Mm. But anywho, um, so that's okay. Defensive coordinator Tom Landry. So the next pick is mine. And for this one, we're going to go to we're going to start in the trenches. Just because I missed out on the last one. Nice. Um, and we're going to go defensive line, defensive line coach. Let me write this down. Defensive line coach. And for defensive line coach, I mean, for me, it's it's uh, just looking at, like, you know, uh, NFL history and just wherever. I mean, there's probably some really good candidates for this one as well. Um, but I'm going to pick uh, a defensive line coach that had defensive linemen that were a part of a defense that over a six-year span gave up 11.2 points per game. Uh, and that's going to be Jack Patera, who is the defensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings, the Purple People Eaters. That's who I'm going with. Dang, the Green Bay boys going with the the, the Purple People Eater. There you <laughs> go. You know, you know, respect to them. I mean – it made me sick, but at the same time, I mean, hey, they were they were great. There's no question. See, that's that's the weird thing is that I actually I actually had Bud Carson as my defensive line coach. <laughs> I had uh, I had George Hallis as my D line coach. Oh, nice, that's okay. cool. There you go. Right, that would have been a good one. Anyways, okay. okay. So Matt, Matt, your next one. Then we're gonna go one step out. We're gonna go. Uh, to linebackers coach, which you uh, got. Yes, I wanted this so bad. So <laughs> I have, I had three good names. So yeah, so I one of which one of them was already mentioned. Chuck Knoll, I had there. Bill Cower was the one I was Ooh. thinking about. Hell yeah! But go. both both of those fall flat because there's really only one you can pick. And it's Ditka. All I gotta oh, say is Ditka. Ditka. So I've got Ditka as my linebackers coach. How do you I pick anyone that. else? Honestly, though, I, I picked, um, and it, it, just doing the research on it, I picked. I picked for that one. I was I was between two. Um, Jack Del Rio. Okay. Uh, linebacker, like he's uh, with that's with when Ray Lewis back in the between ninety nine and two thousand one, he was a linebackers coach there during that. Uh, mm-hmm. Arguably one of the best defenses of all time, um, and uh, Woody w- uh, Weidenhofer, um, who he was the linebackers coach for the Steel Curtain, and and what's amazing about that though is that there's players on that team, like that made that defense, that made that that linebacking core, Jack Ham and Andy Russell, who were who were late round picks, who were guys that no one had heard of, 
um, especially I don't think not Jack Ham, but Andy Russell was, and it's um, and it's pre- it's pretty miraculous what he was able to do with that with those linebackers, and obviously coached them up to the point to where they became one of the best defenses of all time. So that's that's who I went with with my two. But no, I th- I still think yours is great. Dick is awesome. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You I know, felt it, really good about that. It's weird because again, I thought we were playing where we each would build our own separate ones. So I actually had Wade Phillips as my linebackers coach. Um, and the reason why I say that is because Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator, he's now a defensive coordinator has been a top, has created a top 10 defense on every team that he's been a part of. And he is notorious for blitzing. Linebackers. It's like his MO. He creates these amazing packages of um, switching from a four, three to a three, four um, just by, the various you know personnel that he throws out, uh, and um, one of the most um, blitzing linebacking uh, defensive coordinators that you'll see out there, and amazing defensive defensive coordinator. I followed him from place to place, and where he goes, and I'm to see defensive teams based off of him. So he's won me a couple of uh, championships myself. Just saying. There you go. All right, so that was linebacking coach that Matt picked. So that means it goes back to Nick for DB's coach. Dude, I'm so excited for this one. And then so Nick's, all, Nick's all about hip placement. So yeah, here we go, Nick. Placement. Okay, I'm just gonna give the listeners just a little deep dive of Nick here. Oh, so every oh, year <laughs> you're going into the draft, I always take a look and do a deep dive on cornerbacks. It's the one position that I absolutely love and know the best. Uh, and I always do like a top 10 um, uh, cornerbacks that are coming into the league. And then I usually go back after three years and kind of evaluate again myself on how accurate I was, what I missed, what I didn't. And so this one, I there's a lot. There's a lot of defense um, uh, cornerbacks that turn coaches and, and, you know, more modern day than anything. But I'm actually going to go with a wild card here. I'm going to go with a cornerback who is very raw in his coaching career. He is one of the most outstanding quarterbacks of his cornerbacks of his time. Excuse me. Uh, he modernized the position. He guarded some of the best wide receivers in the game in his era. Uh, I'm going to go with the newly head coach. Oh my God. Deion Sanders, baby. We go prime time up in this biz. All right, you're talking about the guy that is, has has had some of the most incredible hands, incredible jamming, incredible hip uh, hip fluidity, uh, top end speed, cutting speed. The guy knows the position. And if you want anything, if you're doubting this pick whatsoever, I want you to go YouTube uh, Julio Jones and Deion Sanders talking about going one on one with each other. It is on YouTube. I'm telling you what, it'll open up your eyes to the complexity of being a wide receiver and a defensive back in this league. Uh, I am so excited that I got this pick. Take the card to the podium, Deion Sanders. You know, I'm a dance right now. Dude, you're, you're, you're seriously. Lucky, you're lucky that he be – the only reason he even qualifies because he's technically a coach right now. That's right. That's, that's exactly why, but, baby. But, but not uh, in the NFL. Not in the NFL. That's a good Same, point. But... I mean that's you could, true. You could have picked Dungey. You could have picked Chuck Knoll. You could I mean, have picked. I pick. I even put Nick. Even to your credit, I even I even put down Jimmy Carr 
who was Sanders' DB coach when he was when when he first started in the with the Falcons. Hey, the things that Deion Sanders has done as a coach so far in the places that he has, not only creating opportunities for these people to to get drafted and to to get into the limelight, he is a tremendous coach and a tremendous knowledge of the game and playing defensive back. I, I understand it's an under, underrated pick, and I, I'm I'm dying on this island, but I'm telling you. Deion Sanders is going to be in the NFL. He's going to be a uh, a corner cornerback coach, and we're going to know his name for a long time. He's not going to be a corners coach. There's Maybe. no way he goes to the NFL to go down a position. Are, are you serious? He's he's going to go. He's going to go to the NFL to be a head coach. Maybe I can like, see him defensive coordinator. He's uh, not going to be a position coach after being a head coach at multiple places. Come on, man. I just I don't know if I I don't know if they somebody would give him that with that job, but he's gonna he's he has a it's desire. Deion to reach Sanders, down. Nick. It's prime time. You think yeah, he wants Deion some he wants some like position coach job at the very he, least? No, no, he's a coordinator. He's gonna coach inside DBs with the Browns. That's that's where he's gonna go. <laughs> hey man, I, I'm not I'm gonna sorry. lie. I, I, I understand there's other people there, but you're but with the modern a player that turned coach that has not only played in the trans transition from the, the nineties era into the early two thousands and what would be considered today. Uh, but he's played it and he's, he's perfected it at the highest level. And then he's turned around and be, and turned into a head coach and has been successful in turning just, I mean, I, I don't want to say absolute garbage, but, Players that normally would not get a shot at winning. So I've kind of spent a lot of time watching him and his coaching and watching film on their teams and stuff. And I'm impressed. No, it's a wild card. And I know you guys don't like it, but it's just a DB coach. It's not like I'm putting him on his defensive coordinator. You it's know? true. It's Tom Landry will coach. get him up into shape. That's true. 100%. Tom Landry will figure that out. Now, we'll say this. He won at a very small college with elite level kids playing for his team. So, like, let's be honest, right? I mean, he didn't get that many that came to his team. Brings in a five-star DB, and he's playing for a team that's like a glorified. (laughs) um, How do I say this without sounding bad? Uh, Like a high-level high school team, right? Like. We're not talking about a power five team. We're not talking about Alabama or Georgia, you know, and so. Hey, um, I'm actually, I'm excited um, to see where he's at now and what he's going to do now. See what he does in Colorado. Now, yeah. what he's going to do is he's going to recruit because he's a people person. Yeah. But you, if you're going to win in college, you have to recruit. But, but you know that what's is- the, fun- the funny thing about this? So this entire thing, like, uh, you know, because I was building my own team. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like things that are similar that we've had along the way. Uh, I've had Deion Sanders as my DB coach the whole time, but I, the funny part about it is on my board, I had Tom Landry as my, my defensive coordinator and Tom Landry and Deion Sanders would not, <laughs> I don't think they'd mesh. <laughs> it, would have problems there. it would be interesting. Yeah, for sure. For Tom sure. Landry is not that type of business uh, in, <laughs> in his uh, career. Yeah, I think that would you be probably fired Deion Sanders. 
Nick, Dude, Nick, I, I, I have it on the list under DB coach. DB is coach. Deion Sanders. There is a little asterisk next. Asterisk next. I can't even talk. An asterisk next to his name and at the bottom of my page where the asterisk asterisk is at. It says not coaching in the NFL. So we'll give it to you, but just to what's clear, he's not an NFL coach. We'll uh, we'll make Pete Carroll his assistant coach. <laughs> Well, do okay. Are you gonna make me repick it then? Because I don't want to. No, no, it. that's fine. That's fine. It's, well, it's all made up anyway, so let's not get too detail oriented. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now for the big one. All right, Nick gets to go first. So your nominee, Nick, for head coach was Bill Belichick. Tell us why. I mean, how many Super Bowls he got? <laughs> That's the first nail in the coffin. I mean, do I got to put any more? Sure. Why not? Because we love overkill. Uh, you're, you're talking about a guy that has been a part of the New England. He's won three sets of Super Bowls with three different personnel that has been on him, on him, of him designing a team and, and looking at the personnel that he has and says, I'm going to build a new offensive scheme to uh, – that maximizes the potential of that. Not only that, the guy is completely shuts down players and teams uh, defensively. I mean, there's tons of videos on YouTube you can go watch where he's walked over to uh, the old Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Chad Johnson, and said, hey, you might as well take a seat for tonight because uh, you're not going to be throwing the ball. And, uh, and, that, and it happened. Like, he shuts down. He picks the, the most – dominant part of, of your team, the thing that makes your team run, and he shuts it down, which is another part of the reason why he's won, what is it, seven Super Bowls? Uh, however flipping many Super Bowls he's got. And in addition to that, it's the only time that I've ever had this idea pop in my head when the Atlanta Falcons uh, and the um, New England Patriots were in the Super Bowl. I can't remember how many points. I think it was like 24 points or 21 points. Does anybody remember what they were down at halftime? Um, is this the – oh, what game is that again? Sorry. It's when Matty Ice uh, – Oh, Matty Ice, yeah. Was it 28-3? 28-3. 28-3. Yeah. In the beginning of the second – go back and look at this tape. In the big, when the second half started, Belichick was running, running on the sidelines and Can't yelling at his him coaches. Running. <laughs> and he had a tablet in his hand, which this fool don't use no tablets. I would say he's an old school guy. He hates tablets. He was running on the sideline, yelling at his coaches and showing them tablets. And I turned to my now uh, brother-in-law and I said, this game isn't over. I'm scared. And, uh, and I mean, the rest is history. So uh, easy choice. I mean, Bill Belichick. All right. David, you're up. I'm up. Yep. Huh. Well, I'll admit to you, again, I put down three coaches just in case. Um, I did have <laughs> Bill Belichick on my list, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Um, but since Vince Lombardi is my nominee, I will defend him. So Vince Lombardi has one, has not as many championships as Bill Belichick, but he does have five. He's got one less. He is responsible for the dynasty of the Packers in the 60s and, revi- and, and uh, re- uh, revitalized football uh, and the NFL. 
Um, there's a reason why it's called the Vince Lombardi Trophy. I mean, I mean, Vince Lombardi is synonymous with grit, uh, leadership, determination, um, respect. Um, gosh, keep, keep naming the, the, like the, the, <laughs> the great power words when it comes to being a leader. That's who he is. Um, he has a better playoff winning percentage than Bill Belichick does. He has a 900 winning percentage in the playoffs compared to Bill Belichick. Um, now, he, now, I say that with a with a with tongue in cheek because he was nine and one in the playoffs, where Bill is thirty one and thirteen. But regardless, <laughs> not to mention difficult of the era, difficult to, oh, difficult oh, of the era. Calm down there, gracious sakes. <laughs> um, anyway, point being, I mean, Vince Lombardi is a, a he is on the Mount Rushmore of NFL head coaches, and and not just head coaches, but um, but just figures in the in in the history of professional, of professional sports. That's who Vince Lombardi is. And I think he would be an amazing head coach for this team that we put together. Um, but that being said, I can understand why Belichick. And like I said, Belichick was my first, uh, mainly because um, he has 31 playoff wins. Um, he, has, well, he has 298 overall wins. Uh, in the, oh, sorry, 298 regular season wins. And he has 31 in the postseason, which is insane. Um, yep. So obviously, Bill Belichick in himself has done amazing things uh, with the teams that he's played, and and I wouldn't be sad at all for, to name him down as our head coach of this all-time NFL team that we're putting together. Uh, but that's my reason why I would choose Vince Lombardi for sure. So, all right, Matt, I, I think uh, I think if um, <laughs> I think Lombardi, if he was facing Belichick on the field, he probably would. That's probably where they probably got that notorious line is. Where he's like, what the hell's going on out there? His <laughs> <laughs> Bill Belichick is ripping him apart. Hey, All right. So what, I'm going to throw. Nick, you know, you know what Lombardi does at, at the goal line when the championship's on the line? He runs the ball. I'll leave that there. Anyway, go on, Matt. Pete Carroll. Go, go uh, actually, uh, you made me change it. So I actually have a better option than Pete Carroll. I just threw out a name because you're being oh, okay. ridiculous. Um, so if I have to add someone else besides the two names that were picked, um, what, what is the purpose of playing football? What is everyone trying to do? Win, baby. Win. win right? You got to win. So do you know who the winningest coach uh, ever in the NFL is? Wait, is it? Um, um, wait, let me think. Hold up. Okay. I mean, we have Bill Walls on here. Um, this coach is not on there, actually. We have not picked this guy. So I'm kind of like, man, how did we leave him off? Is it, uh, are you, are you, is it Don Shula? It's Don Shula. Don oh, freaking Shula. He's the winningest coach of all time? Yeah. 347 wins all time compared to Bill Belichick, who's number two. With 329. Wow. That's true. You know, now, the difference, Shula won 19 playoff games. Belichick's won 31. <laughs> you know, so. Right. Uh, more regular season game wins. Um, so, I mean, he should be in the conversation if we're trying to win. Well, he hey, is, man, what is, what is, hey, Matt, what does Don Shula have that Bill Belichick doesn't? What's that? Perfect season. Hmm. True. That is true. Yeah. The one and, um, thing Bill couldn't do. 
But what's what's the thing you trade a perfect season for any day Super of the Bowl week? Wins. Super Bowl wins. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So for that reason, I, I'm putting Don Shula out there, but I'm actually voting for Belichick. There's no question. Hey, you know, they always bring up every single year, that 72 Dolphins team, they always talk about them busting out the champagne, right, when that last undefeated team loses, man. Like, they'll be they'll be remembered for the like for all eternity. 100%. Super cool. Super cool. I'd rather have five or six Super Bowl rings, you know. So Hey, some yeah. players don't even get to play in the Super Bowl, Matt. Come on. I know. I know. That's why I said I'd much rather Bill have Bill Belichick has got seven teams that he has provided that Super Bowl. <laughs> How many players are on a roster? Wait, seven teams. Roster? He only has six rings. Oh, excuse six me. I, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was... That's Brady, Nick. Brady's the yeah, reason I why apologize. Belichick's He's got so six. Brady is yeah. the reason why Belichick's up there. What did Don Shula have? Oh, not not much compared to him. Yeah. Oh, he had not much. <laughs> <laughs> you so dumb. You are so dumb. You are really dumb for real. <laughs> uh, you is kind. You, you is, is smart. You, you is, is not important. <laughs> oh man. I'm just joking, but all right. So should we should we vote? Should we vote? Nick gets to vote first. Nick, who's your head coach? Uh, I think the vote's already decided. I told you who I'm voting we for. We have to officially vote. Oh, you guys. okay. Bill right. Belichick. Okay, the and... guy that I hope that I would trade our entire personnel. I trade our entire team. I'd shit. I would move to New England, the Seahawks. <laughs> so just to, just to confirm, until death. Uh, Bill Belichick would be my head coach and, two, and, two, and GM. I don't know if the people of Boston can handle two teams, man. That'd be kind of rough. No, I mean, like, we <laughs> obliterate New England Patriots. Oh. Apologize to all the Patriots fans out there. And then the the Seahawks, Seattle. They, but they keep the name, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, <laughs> goes there. I, I would even do that. I mean, I would prefer to bring old Bill Belichick over here, but I, I'd sell my soul to go if we get him as a head coach. All right, that was weird. Okay, was David. Weird. So my vote, I mean, yeah, it's Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. All right. So just to read it out here real quick for y'all. This is our team. All-time NFL team of coaches. At offensive coordinator, we've got Bill Walsh, the father of the West Coast offense. Defensive coordinator, we've got Tom Landry, the father of the 4-3 defense. QB coach, we've got Andy Reid, mastermind and QB whisperer of his time. Um, at running backs coach, we've got Joe Gibbs, the, apparently the father of the of the run game that actually you know that modernized the run game. Would you say apparently? That? Apparently, come on. <laughs> Uh, wide receivers Mr. coach, we got Jimmy. An O line coach. <laughs> dude, hey, that's hey, giving you guys, shade, dude. Hey guys, guys, guys. Hey, Dave, <laughs> didn't you play O line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't start though. That's probably why. <laughs> fair, fair enough. So wide receivers coach Jimmy Johnson, which we all know is a great, I mean, great coach for sure. Uh, t- t- suck it. Um, What's that, fools? I'm out. I just completely Jimmy Jones. I just wait. No, what's his name again? Oh my I'm gosh! Not, I just blanked. I'm not sure what you're talking about, dude. 
what's the Cowboys owner again? Oh, Jerry Jones. Jerry. Gosh, I don't know why he blanked out completely. I was saying wow. suck at Jerry Jones. There you That's go. That's what I was saying. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, uh, tight ends coach Keith Rowan, offensive line coach Mike Shanahan, uh, the older Shanahan. Uh, we've got defensive line coach Jack Patera, linebackers coach Mike Ditka, DB's coach uh, Deion Sanders. Hey, you call him prime time. Prime time. And then head coach Bill Belichick. So I'm thinking uh, that's going to be a dynasty right there, gents. I think so. I like it. I do too. So well done. Well done. That was good, though. That was good. Next time we'll do a, a draft of uh, high school coaches for Nick's sake, huh? Ooh. Because <laughs> you're choosing, you know, those coaches. <laughs> you just wait. You just wait, man. He's going to win a NCAA championship with Colorado. No, he's not. You never know. You never know, man. Uh, you never know, man. We do, we do know. For sure. We do know. <laughs> he'll, build, he'll build something cool, but uh, he's not winning a championship there. Man, I tell you what, though. If he does, I can't <laughs> wait to bring up this, this segment of the podcast. Hey, you want you want to make a friend year one or twenty years from now? Want to make a friendly year one? What do you say? What was that? You want to make a friendly wager on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, wait, wait. What are my odds though? Because my odds are horrible (laughs) in the percent chances. So I get like, I got to get like ten to one odds. No, no, no. no. You just said Colorado or the field. You're taking Colorado. That's a huge field, man. I don't get like (laughs) beneficial odds on that. Nope. I'm like no, shot in the dark. That's, that's this is not like, what you said. That's, that's true. Said. That's true. Come on, prime time. Let's so here, here's the bet. Here's the bet. Okay. Prime time wins a national title at Colorado. Doesn't matter when. If it ever happens, I pay you. If he doesn't do it, eventually we'll call it when we feel like it's not going to happen. <laughs> I got to have like... <laughs> It's, I got to have at least like a two to three uh, to one odds on this. What? We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk more later and we'll let everybody know what we just said. Okay. Okay. We're going to, yeah, All we're right. going to get this off. Let's, uh, let's be off, professional. Off. We'll come back with it. <laughs> Prime time. If you're listening, I got your back, bro. But that's a tall mountain to climb. I need, I need some odds. <laughs> I'm just I'm crying. Sorry, bro. I got the hey, confidence you do, Prime. What happened to uh, when he wins a national title at Colorado? Man, you're so bold. Yeah, you're so bold. But then you want me to put money on it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, should we move on to uh, some MLS power rankings? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So some of you guys may know this already. I imagine a lot of you probably don't. Uh, But the MLS season kicked off. By MLS, we're talking about Major League Soccer in it. The United States Professional League. Um, ESPN just released or released their um, their MLS Power Rankings. We're going to talk about the top top couple teams and uh, kind of share some thoughts and ideas. We'll do it pretty quick because uh, really the top three teams are all that really matters, right? So number one, they've got the Philadelphia Union, who bring back their entire starting team from last year, which was a, one of the youngest teams in the league. And they lost in the MLS Cup Final, the their version of the Super Bowl. 
So they should be strong favorites. Number two, the LAFC. LAFC is the winner of the MLS Cup Championship. Uh, They're the team that beat the Philadelphia Union. They are... um, they're a powerhouse. They've made some changes. They've got some new faces in their lineup, but should still be good. Then the only team we all really care about at number three is the Seattle Sounders. Let's um, go Sounders. Right. And so we've got the two teams that lost or won the championship last year, and then Seattle's the next team favored in the MLS preseason rankings. What do you guys think? Are you excited for MLS this year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I think I think yeah. Matt is probably I'll get into it more. But a quick question, and this is gonna probably gonna make any soccer fans listen to this be like, "Wow, this guy's no idea he's talking about." Which, <laughs> spoiler alert, I don't because I don't watch MLS. But although I have been to a game, uh, it was the Sounders against man. Nick it was for your bachelor party. You remember who they were playing? <laughs> Uh, it was a Portland. Uh, it was Portland. It wasn't oh Portland. Gosh. It definitely wasn't Portland. Yeah. I know. I know it wasn't the Timbers. I know that. Oh. Um, Maybe Real Salt Lake. They're forgettable. That mattered. We won. Actually, it may have been. It was either Real Salt Lake or it was. Um, it might have been Toronto FC. Oh. Oh, no, no. Or maybe DC United. I, I'm not 100 percent sure to be honest with you. <laughs> but what I do know, this is what I do know podcast world is that they won that game that was you know nick what, what, when did you get married again was that 2016 yeah so yeah anyway <laughs> so they won the game in 2016 that's what david knows that's what i know <laughs> hey but no my question matt and you know since you, you know more about this than i so there's two la teams uh yeah so there's the la galaxy which is um the traditional powerhouse though right. they've not been as good lately um, and then LAFC is a recently um, made team. They just added them to the league, I don't know, four or five, five years ago, something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, it's kind of funny. So everyone, I'd say LAFC is more of a rebranded team than it is actually a totally new team. So back in the day, there were all these teams. There was actually two teams in California or uh, in LA. There was the galaxy that everybody knew about. Then there's one called Chivas USA, right? And Chivas USA was like the cellar dweller of MLS for years. Uh-huh. And they, they went defunct. They, uh, I think they went bankrupt, if I remember right. And then eventually somebody bought them up again, rebranded them, got them added back to the league, and now they're LAFC. And they actually won the championship last year. So, so is it kind of like, it's kind of like the Montreal Expos and the MLB, Becoming yeah. the, uh, becoming the, uh, oh my gosh, the Nationals. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> and then uh, LAFC. Fun fact about them: one of their uh, minority owners is a guy that's near and dear to me. It's a man by the name of Will Farrell. Will Farrell is a part owner of LAFC. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's a big, uh, big guy for them. He shows up to all their matches and kind of. He's a big part of them. So that's kind of cool. You know cool. who's a big time part owner, uh, famous part owner of Seattle Sounders? Hmm. Anybody know any of them? There's actually two of them I could mention right now. Of the Sounders? Yeah. Um, big time personalities. I'm not sure. Isn't it Drew Carey? 
Drew Carey is one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the other one that popped in my head as I was talking about Drew Carey is what I was going to mention was uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a big part owner of uh, the Seattle Sanders still. Is no he really? <laughs> yeah. He bought into him like three years ago and then got traded away. Oh, yeah. Let's throw that guy to the curb. Flying <laughs> <laughs> into the city. That's right, baby. Hey, Let's you know what? Ride. Shout out to Richard Sherman and all the the crap that he does for the, the state of Washington and Seattle. You you see him owning a team or or being? Dude, did I say it was a bad thing? I said he was a big time part owner. I know. I'm I just said. hating on Richard Sherman. Man, <laughs> jeez, this guy is so personal. Jeez. All right, but anyway, so MLS started and uh, they played their first round matches. Uh, this last weekend, the Sounders cruised to a 4-0 victory over – ooh, who would we play? I'm blanking on the name. They played somebody. <laughs> I cannot remember. Uh, but they won big. Jordan Morris had a, a brace, two goals in the game, and um, it's a good, strong start for the season. I'm excited. There we go. What, what would you um... – What's the odds you think of the uh, Sounders winning winning at all? Um, I think there's always a great chance for them. Um, so long as they stay healthy, that's the big thing. Last year, they they won the um, the Concacaf Champions League, right? First MLS team to do that. But in that game, one of their key players in the midfield tore his ACL. And he missed the rest of the season, and they had to play with a lot of youth in that position. And uh, so they actually had one of their worst, like, regular seasons, um, probably probably overall in MLS. But, um, you know, they won, they won something big early. So, like, their Super Bowl was the first third of the year, and then it was kind of hard to watch them the rest of the year. So um, as long as they stay healthy, they've got a lot of good talent. They've got some great players, but – um, with MLS and the way they're is they teams don't have a lot of depth usually. So, gotcha. Gotta stay healthy. That's it. <clears throat> All righty. Uh, you guys ready to head into quick takes? Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and transition to tr- into quick takes. And uh, who wants to go first? Um, I'll, I guess I'll go first. Perfect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for moving on to quick takes. I'm going to jump out at you first here. And my quick take is, baby, MLB season is back. There's all those little ba- those baseball, uh, baseball lovers out there. Uh, we Baseball season is back. Spring training is up and going. And then the, my shout-out or my quick take has to be centered around the new rules. That has taken over the MLB. I love them. Uh, getting rid of the shift. There is a pitch clock and a That's batter's right. clock. And oh, there's a batter's clock as well? There's a batter's clock as well. We will wow. discuss that here in a second. And the, <laughs> the bases are larger. Now, I do want to take a minute here and kind of go over the, uh, the rule changes here for a second, one by one. Uh, we'll start with the shift. I think this is a much needed um, thing in the MLB. Uh, you're talking about a league or baseball in general where 
you know, even 15 years ago, you had a handful of players that threw 95 plus. Like you were remembered when you did that. And now if you don't throw 95 plus, you're not going to have a long career in the MLB. I mean, the MLB has gotten bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, There is new things, technology, um, AI technology that has been utilized the last couple of years to allow players to see metrics of themselves and to expand, you know, pitch higher velocities, get uh, better strides, better connection with their hitting tools. And so the getting rid of the shift, because it is truly one of the hardest sports to play in just a blink of an eye and deciding whether you're going to hit a ball or not. And whether it's a slider that comes out of the same arm slot as a fastball right. uh, moves, um, anywhere from 12 to 20 inches in a different direction. Um, it is a much needed thing. I think that'll open up the offense, the modern society of uh, game watchers or sport <laughs> enthusiasts or whatever. They love offense. I mean, and you know, True. this is one of the things that's happened in every sport. And if uh, the NFL has done it, they've made it where you know, now they make fun of where if you're going to hit the quarterback, you know, you got to lay him down, put a blanket over, you know, make sure you got a pillow for him and everything. Uh, baseball has been one sport that's kind of lagged behind on the rule changes in that way. So getting rid of the shift, which basically means you cannot put almost every player on one side of the field or even have them just chilling in the outfield. You know, if somebody hits a frozen rope, you know, to if you're a left-handed batter hitting it to right field, you know, there's just a guy just sitting there in the outfield that's not supposed to be there. So this will definitely open up the offensive game. It'll definitely hey, uh, Really quick, because I don't know this. This is where I get to be like David in soccer. Yeah. Explain to me, how do they enforce the shift thing? Is there like certain parts of the field that has to have a person in it at all times? Or hey, yes. How do so they do that? Um, the way it works is that you have to have two infielders on each side of the base and they cannot cross it uh, at all times so you're if you're facing a left-handed batter you got your first baseman that's kind of guard the line you got the second baseman that's going to be right directly in between first and second before they would have your shortstop in right field and your third baseman in between second and third you can't do that now now you have the shortstop cannot cross second base and if it's a right-handed batter, the second baseman cannot uh, cross second. He can be above the bag, but he can't cross it. So you, can, you can't have more than two people on either side of second base on the infield. Okay. And I'm All telling right. this right now, I'm letting everybody, I'm making my prediction. This is going to significantly impact the game of baseball when it comes to runs. I think we're going to see the um, – I saw an interesting stat that as of 10 years ago, there was only one team uh, that one entire team that hit under, I believe it was 230, had a 230 batting average where 23% of the time they got a base hit. I believe it was 2021. Half the teams in the league did not have a bad team batting average over 230. Oh wow! So it's 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 a much needed thing, especially with the advanced metrics in pitching that has gone on, where everybody, every team has somebody that throws ninety nine miles an hour, 
And uh, if everybody, if anybody thinks that that's not hard to hit, go down to your pitching machine, your batter's box <laughs> in the world, and uh, get a ninety a ninety mile an hour pitch and try to hit it. It is a significantly difficult thing to hit a 90 mile an hour pitch, but to these professionals hitting a 99, 97 mile an hour pitch, um, it's a hard thing to do. So I have to throw this out there. I'm kind of split on this rule. I think more scoring will make baseball a little more interesting. That's, I get that. But part of me is also like, shouldn't you just get better at what you do? You get paid millions for it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'm 100% with you. And I've been that way for a long time. But here's the problem with that. The, you can tell baseball to do that. But when you have the average attention span, that's getting less and less and less. It's true. It's, it's the same reason why, what was the Super Bowl, the Rams and uh, where. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. That was gross. The 6'10 or whatever. Now, no, defensively, was, it was, ten, I think it was 10 to 6 or 10 to 3. Was that? Yeah. It was, like, it was a few years. It was the Rams and Patriots Super Bowl. That's right. Nobody that loved it. It's one of the, the least viewed, the most hated Super Bowl in the last 10, 15 years that everybody points to because everybody loves points, which is the reason why NFL has made it so ridiculously easy to pass the ball compared to other decades. The MLB is kind of last to the bowl on this of change. And uh, even though... I wish that these guys could just adapt to it, to the new, you know, technologies and abilities and metrics that are happening in, in, in the world today and, you know, bigger, faster, stronger type of thing. But you're not going to do that if nobody comes to the game because the game's like, you know, one to nothing and everybody's hitting a ground ball or hitting it right at somebody, you know. And it's eight hours long, you know. That's and eight it. hours long. Which you know, is why I like the next thing you're going to talk about. Yeah, so the next one <laughs> is the, uh, the there is now a pitch clock and a hitter's clock that will be implemented in the MLB. I love it. Love and, it. Sweet. And so one of, the, one of the interesting things about this is there is actually a video you can look up on YouTube where uh, Altuve, you know, gross name I know, but that's the video they have. <laughs> He ends up hitting, I believe it was like, he hits it inside the park home run, which takes a long time to do, Yeah, you know, to run around the entire in the home. For those of you who don't know, he didn't hit a home run. He hit it. I think he hit off the wall and then rolled somewhere. And he ran around the entire bases all the way home. Before they could throw it home. So, but yeah, before they threw home and tagged him. Now he did that and they redid the video I think it was seven times before a pitcher threw a single pitch. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's uh, a little it was, too much. Huh? It was a little too much. And so I think the average game was like in the MLB is like three, almost four hours long. Um, and so they limited where now a pitcher has to get ready and get set before. I think he's only got. Uh, does anybody know that, what the pitch clock is, Dave? Do you have any idea? The, pit, the actual pit, the pitch clock? Yeah, I can't oh, remember the I time. Um, here I can find out. Did you oh, see? Uh, uh, did pitchers you see are required to begin their motion within 15 seconds. Um, 
with the bases empty and 20 seconds with the runners on base. Yeah. They, the, um, if they don't, if they don't, they're charged with an automatic ball. Yeah. And then here's, here's the other interesting part of that is I think it's eight seconds. The batter has to be ready with, um, when the countdown gets to eight seconds. Now this yeah. is interesting because Machado and the San Diego yeah, Padres. Yeah, I was gonna say that you saw that, right? Yeah, he got called for the very first uh, clock violation against the Seattle Mariners for he was in the box, but he wasn't looking at the pitcher and he wasn't set. He was just kind of just standing there, I think looking looking around or looking at his coach or something. So what's the penalty for him? You get a strike. Wow. And he and he struck out to end the game, didn't he? Yeah. And so here's the other interesting thing. <laughs> that, okay. that, that strike struck him out to lose the game, to end the game. Yeah. And this is going to be something that everybody's going to have to adapt to and pretty darn whoa, quick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait a second. So, you're, so that strike ended the game? Yeah, that was strike three that ended the game. Wow. <laughs> I can't remember if, if it the game. MLB, that is not what you want. Well, at least there was one of those. I don't know if it was that game. but So I think it's the game that I'm about to talk to you right here. Okay. So for every young kid out there that's playing baseball, there's one thing that unanimously everybody wants. You want bottom of the ninth, the base is loaded, yep, two outs, full count, which is three balls and two strikes, and all the eyes on you to win it for your team and to win the World Series. Right. Now, this happened with the Atlanta Braves. Game was tied, bottom of the ninth, two outs, runners are um, a 3-2 count, full count. The batter did not get set in time, and so the umpire called him out, and that ended the inning. Wow. And it was the ninth inning. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Yeah. I know that rule ended a game with the last strike of the game. That's right, because in spring training, they don't go to extras. So it was just over. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, over. So teams are going to have to, you know, the, the, the no more Gar- Garcia Paras of the world. Shout out to old, you know, all the Boston Red Sox fans out there. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, this guy used to like fix his gloves, tap his feet, look like he had a seizure up at the plate because. He was doing all of these rituals and everything else. Uh, so that's going to be uh, an interesting thing to see. The Mariners game uh, that I watched, the first um, springtime game that had that Manny Machado mistake, uh, it was two hours and 26 minutes, I think it was. Oh, it's not so, bad. Yeah, or maybe it was two hours and 29 minutes, but regardless, Still. Um, it was a very... It doesn't, doesn't seem bad. Yeah, it was very... Um, you know, and that's that's the problem is that the the world has moved so fast that people have a, a very minute amount of time that they want to spend on watching sports before they have to continue on doing things that they have to do in their lives. And so, right, you have to make the game more appealing. You have to make the game, you know, lose all of the things like uh, having a pitcher. You know, you can play a video of Altuve doing. I think it's like seven or eight inside the park <laughs> home runs before the ball's even thrown to home. You got to get rid of all that stuff. Now, and then uh, just to add to that real quick, um, and it's not just baseball, right? The NFL started doing some of it, but the college football is talking about adjusting their rules to make gameplay faster and games shorter overall. You know, maybe doing the NFL running clock, you know, except for in the final couple minutes. That's uh, actually shocking. First down. 
Yeah. Because you watch a game at home and, you know, and I love watching it as if I'm playing. And so I, I like the psychology of, uh, of sports and that pressure, yeah. you know, of performing and, and kind of feeling that rush and, uh, of, you know, having, you know, elevated pressure to perform. And yeah. so, but, you know, so you're sitting at home and you get commercials and you get all these things and you, and so I'm always thinking that like, I, you kind of forget that the game has stopped. Right. Uh, the couple games that I've actually went to, I have been absolutely shocked of how much standing around there is. <laughs> wait the, for timeout to be over. For timeouts, or... official TV timeouts, like all these stoppages of play where, you know, they're just like, everybody's just standing around and, and and so going to the game, I actually was surprised uh, just how slow the game even the, of the NFL was. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never been to an actual NFL game live, but I've heard that. I've heard it's really weird. Yeah. So uh, I got one last one. I know my, my quick take is not really a quick take. <laughs> Apologize for this. But the last rule change that I'm going to go Welcome over. Welcome to Nick's take. Nick's take. I'm taking over the segment, baby. This is more like the deep dive with Nick is what yeah. it feels like. Yeah, yeah, deep dive with that. Nick. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the last rule change I'm going to talk about is the, the base change, which changes the um, – They look base. like pizza boxes. They look like pizza boxes now. They are 18 <laughs> square inches compared to 15 inches before. And uh, – and so one of the things that, that you've seen in the last few years is a lot of injuries when it comes to sliding into bases, when it comes to um, even running to first. Uh, the average height of where the, when this game was built in the late 1800s, there's like an 11% change in height. Well, the average, let's say 1870s, the average weight in the MLB was 167 pounds, whereas in the 2000s, it's uh, 190 pounds. And so, and then you add on to that, you have about a ten, just south of a 10% difference in height. You're talking about bigger, stronger, faster players. And so having these bases um, the same size as they once were in like the 1870s is, is just one of those like easy things that needed to be changed. And I think it, again, significantly, I mean, one of the things that the MLB has stopped doing is stealing bases. Like running has just been something that has been X out of the game. I mean, uh, Ricky Henderson, one of the greatest base stealers of all time. Uh, I mean, just out. I mean, you could have like 40 stolen bases over, I don't know, 20 years and you wouldn't even come close to his, to his record that he has. That form of the game has really just vanished. And a lot of it comes from the fact that, you know, injuries. You know, running to first base, even particularly, there's a lot of ankle injuries. And when you're now this, the MLB has become, you know, the payday league where you're giving teams $400 million to play and you just, you got to protect your assets. And like, for example, judge of the New York Yankees, I think he's six, seven, isn't he? Uh, Yes. I mean, you're just talking about a different age of different athletes that can run that can hit and are just strong and they're just taller and crap. And so the game of baseball has over the last few years has started to change its thinking on, you know what, let's get rid of all of these unwritten rules of, you know, where you can't celebrate, you know, hitting a home run or walking off with a base hit or something. 
and uh, let's start making the game more fun, uh, action-packed. You know, so we're starting to we're heading in the right direction. So, uh, what do you guys think? I love it. I love changing things. I love making more exciting. I think I think it's only going to help baseball, which up in the wrong direction as far as fan following. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a bit more of a tradition traditionalist. I mean, I'm, um, so I, I'm on the fence. I mean, but I guess at the end of the day, I mean, whatever makes the league more appealing to the newer fans. But you know, I just I I think that. Um, I, I don't mind if a game takes three and a half hours. It doesn't bother me at all, to be honest. But, um, I mean, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But but I don't think it's necessarily I, – I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, if the games, you know, can at least get – because sometimes teams just do it just to, you know, to mess up a rhythm of a pitcher or a batter or what have you or just trying to, you know, really lengthen things out that is just, you know, somewhat unnecessary. So, in some ways, I think it's good. Other ways, I think it's like, well – you know, I, I just don't want it to go away from what baseball, you know, what baseball is and, you know, water down the sport just for the casual fan. But but I guess at the end of the, I mean, ultimately, the casual fan, just like even for the NFL, that's it's what, you know, it's a part of what drives the ratings and what drives the revenue, you know, and, uh, but, but and you can have. Huh? Here's where I think it, it won't, because pre what was it? Two thousand and nine, I think it was. Teams didn't shift. That whole understanding of, of analyzing the metrics and analytics and how what drives baseball now, pre that, nobody shifted. Nobody did these rules. They they didn't need them because they never did it. Until, you know, Billy Bean changed the way, you know, teams looked at utilizing, you know, different metrics and now AI to figure out what the strength and weaknesses are of each player. And, and so now you have the last like few years, you have the most shifts that you've ever seen. Everybody shifted. I mean, the Seattle Mariners, I'm a huge fan of shifted more. One of they're one of the teams that have shifted more than anybody. And that has really taken away from the purity of the game with the game getting better. As far as talent, you know, you have pitchers that are throwing harder. They're throwing more things. They're not just throwing change-ups and, and, you know, 90 mile an hour fastballs. They're throwing 97. They're throwing sliders that are moving 20 inches, you know, it's, you know that, that look exactly like a fastball. Um, you're, you're getting rid of – it's just – it's so hard to just explain in a short time right now just how advanced the game has gotten and then – them seeing using metrics and and all these you know different things to be like oh well let's let's do this because it increases our chances and while i i do agree like i would be a team i would be an owner that'd be like let's dive a hundred percent just jump into that deep end because Mm -hmm. it makes sense i think taking away the shift is an appropriate thing you know to I don't think it's going to hurt the league. I, I, I don't. I, I don't think – I think traditionalists are going to look at it and then in a few years they're just not really going to think about it. Um, yeah. I, 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 I just don't think it's going to be a huge, 
huge factor where somebody's going to be like, you know, in my day, you know, I can hit the ball, you know, <laughs> I, the other way. You know, all these teams, these players do Dude, hit the ball the other way. But you're talking ball. about a difference. <laughs> you hit the ball to the left field 43% of the time, and you only hit the ball to right field, um, particularly right, 37% of the, of the time. You know, or let's say right center, 37 percent, and then you only hit it to right, right field, whatever's left over. Well, metrically, I can be like, oh, I'll shift the entire team over and that increases my chance of getting this player out. You know, taking that away, I don't think is going to kill baseball traditionally, you know, type of thing. It's just going to make the game you know, matter more. I think it's equalizing the talent that pitchers have um, and have grown throughout the league the last 15 years. But time will tell. Right. All right. All right. You mind if I take the next one, David? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. After we did all of that, um, which was good stuff. Uh, I have one that is going to be something that I know Nick loves to hear. Um, Russell Wilson wanted Pete Carroll and John Schneider yeah John Schneider fired which led to him being traded report says (laughs) (laughs) I did read that Um, and obviously Wilson came out and denied it what else is he going to do right but um, you know it's interesting he took it a a step further though yeah uh, Pete was a father figure there you go. Yeah. Right. But, you know, there's definitely something to this, I think, in the fact that, like, Nick had asked this at one point. It's like, how do you trade your franchise quarterback who's won a Super Bowl? I think there's more to it than just, you know, fit. I think there's a lot of stuff going on here. I think Cap's part of it. I think the way they want to play is part of it. I think the ego, as we saw this year, is probably part of it. But, um yeah fascinating to see that come out at this point you know who leaked this and uh why does it got to come out now a year later (laughs) you know it's not surprising to be honest like i i this isn't the first time since that divorce has happened you know i mean you look at the average divorce and how many years go by and just more crap just like seeps its way out from like anonymous sources you know or sources close to the, the situation you know, so point. when this came out, I was just like, oh, you know, it's just another yeah. page to this book that nobody will ever really know yeah. of what happened. I, the only thing I can say for certain, here's two things I'll say for certain on both sides that are negative. A, Russell Wilson has an ego that he has built along with other quarterbacks, including regards to Tom Brady, where you have your own personnel, quarterbacks coach your own strength coach, your own every, your entire full team uh, entourage entourage that you bring with you and you demand to be in-house and everything else like that. Which, by by the way, I love love, uh, Peyton. Uh, Sean Peyton was like, yeah, we're not going to do that here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did did love that. That was an an interesting thing. It's going to be an interesting thing because, uh, you know, the guy that Russell Wilson wanted – is also going to be the guy that's going to lay down that hammer of, you know, I mean, he may give in, but it looks like he's going to lay down the hammer of like, look, you know, 
we want you here. We want none of that here. That's not the way I roll. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, so you have that negative part. I guess you all paint it as a negative part for Russell Wilson. And then you have a lot of history with Schneider and former players saying that Schneider is a very cruel GM. He's very short. He's very dry and he is not, he's very emotionless. And so there's a lot of foreign players that have left that do not have a lot of spec for Schneider. And even Schneider let out to the public that he did not handle the Russell Wilson uh, debacle very well himself. Um, And so that's two things negatively I can say in this situation. But again, you know, at least my personal opinion is nobody really knows what, what happened. But the only certainty that I know is that Pete Carroll will never play outside of his system. Uh, John Schneider is the king of value. He never wants to pay full price for anything. And Russell Wilson believed that the offense, like in any dynasty that changes from a defense, you can throw out the Pittsburgh Steelers for this. uh, They went from a paying everybody on defense to then you have a veteran defense and everything runs for the quarterback and the quarterback is the the prima donna the the savior or whatever russell wilson's ego or him what you can call it ego or not believe that everything should be through him he should have a seat at the table and a say at that table and uh the rest is history he he got told no (laughs) he got told no which is pretty intense i will admit Yeah. yeah I mean, if there's one thing I, I will respect in, in Pete Carroll, I can disagree with his philosophy. I can disagree with the decision-making, uh, the percent chances um, statistically of making and winning, even making a Super Bowl after this trade, winning, let alone winning it. Uh, but the one thing I have to respect him is, is the fact that he has his system. And whether I like it or not, he knows who he is and he's not going to play outside those bounds. So I can yeah. only respect that. Yeah, and which I think he learned throughout his other stops. Yeah, I think New mm-hmm. England is a prime example of that. For sure. Because didn't he lose his job to Belichick? I think so. Yeah. If not, then it was like right after him, not long after. Yeah, because wasn't Parcells there after? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Was Parcells before or after Pete Carroll? Um, yeah, I can't remember. That's a good question. Hold that thought. Let's see. Parcells was the coach. Whoa. Well, I guess, too, while Dave's looking that up, do you want to expand on this? Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. No, Parcells was the coach back in the, like, mid-90s. I was going to say. I didn't think it went straight to that. Anyways. What what do you think of um, the debacle that's kind of going on? I mean, I'll call it a debacle just because I want to make it a debacle. (laughs) Uh, but an interesting take i'll say of um you have um dang it what's our quarterback gino gino smith come on you own his shirt come on real quick he is bombing that shirt whoa bro i don't know what you're talking about that that shirt just miraculously showed up in your house (laughs) and hey real quick it was it was bill parcells then pete carroll then bill belichick wow Man, Great. talk about having a good string of coaches there. But um, so you have uh, old uh, Gino, Gino Smith that's putting out yeah. all these things, you know, out on Twitter and everything about, you know, his value, 
what he expects and all these little things that are sparking the media being like, oh, snap, you know, is he firing the first shots of contract negotiations? And then now you have the Seattle Seahawks that have supposedly, you know, anonymous sources or sources close to the, the organization that the Seahawks are thinking about drafting a QB in the At number spot. five. Yeah, I saw that. I think I don't really follow any of the stuff until it gets closer because it's all just he said, she said, manipulation. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't call it a debacle yet. You know, we get to the draft time. Maybe, maybe we talk about that, but we've made it very clear. I, th- I want us to use those first-round picks to beef up our D-line. Take a D-tackle, take a D-end, find two guys that can be dudes for the next – Five to ten years, and aren't you guys picking a linebacker? Uh, linebacker? Uh, some yeah. have us. Some have us taking Maybe. the defensive tackle out of Alabama. Some have us taking the. Uh, I want the Georgia guy, um, Georgia D tackle. Yeah, that's or what the, I want. That's who it is. That's who it is. It's the Alabama so, linebacker. Yeah, the DN linebacker. So I, I hope we get Carter, the D tackle from Georgia, and then in our next pick, um, there's a couple guys, but like the D end out of uh, Texas Tech. I think he looks good. I think that would be a great one-two. Yeah. And then I really like Chen and Nwosu. He had a pretty solid first year with them. So you put all those pieces together, I feel pretty good. But we'll any see. Tro- any Trojans, Matt, that you want to come to the Seahawks? Um, I mean, Jordan Addison would be nice, but uh, I don't think he's going to be a need at that point in the draft. Um, so probably not. Gotcha. I, I tell you what, this is like an impossible thing that Champ presented would be next to nothing. But the guy, the the USC quarterback. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Yeah, talk I, to me here, and then you can ask me who I want. That's who I want. Yeah, that's that's one guy that you were like, you know, go check this guy out. And when I watched his, uh, I watched actually quite a few USC games. Surprisingly, uh, I was like, I got a man crush. Like the guy yeah. is just. He's a Just dude. Good. He's a dude, man. Maybe, maybe you guys trade. Maybe you, maybe you guys trade out of your position to try to keep a, a, a top ten pick for next year, so you have a chance to get him. Oh, we'd wow. have to, we're gonna have to do a higher pick than that. It's gonna be. I don't know. Maybe we trade like um, I don't know what gets us one of the top picks. I mean, maybe we trade our first and second this year back next year's first round or second round pick maybe that's what it would yeah. take I, I don't even think that it's there's tough. a yeah that's like an almost like an impossible scenario to even happen maybe oh maybe maybe what we do is we we pass on Gino we go with uh, Locke as our quarterback we oh, create an ultimate defense by drafting those two D linemen this year but our offense struggles Kind of like the uh, the Broncos this year that just ended. Right. So next year we end up with the top five pick and we can make something happen. Maybe. Maybe. Would you be willing to let that happen, Matt? For Caleb Williams, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd eat that bullet. Oh, my gosh. Uh, if we could build a legit defense and lose a bunch <laughs> – yeah, I'd, I'd take that. I'd take that. Dang, man. Like, that's like, 
I just got That's this like, mental picture of, of, of it happening, like and as soon as that happening, like you what? eat the bullet. Like, I, I told like, oh you here. Like, <laughs> like usually, like you know, when someone says, "Yeah, I take a bullet," you know, for that kind of thing. <laughs> like it's it's usually like in a situation where you would step in in someone's place and take a bullet or something like that. But to say immediately, I, yeah, I put a gun in my mouth. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Oh, that's not what I said. You said eat a bullet. That's. I mean, where's the bullet going? I'm, it's in your mouth. I mean, I mean, I don't know what else. Like, oh you know, my god! You guys, someone like ridiculous. shoots you in the mouth. I mean, no, but dude, he's like he's jumping away in the way to eat that bullet. You know, what I'm saying oh. he's saving. He's saving I'd take his... that. I would take oh. that negative situation. There okay, we go. Okay. Okay. Right on. <laughs> Right on. Well, right, would, David. Would you, would you give your left nut for him? <laughs> Turn the side. I'm trying to figure out the. I'm trying to figure out the bar is, Matt. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I tell you what, I give my left nut for uh, the. Uh, no, you have to ask Aaron Rodgers in his darkness cave. See what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> He's already out of the cave. He hasn't talked. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, Wasn't he supposed to say something as soon as he got out? Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I know he said he was gonna go into the his darkness retreat. And they come out with an answer, and he hasn't said his okay. answer yet. I, so. I'm sorry, but I thought Russell Wilson. I haven't, you know, I'm a huge Seahawks fan, and I have been a Russell Wilson fan. But even with Russell Wilson, I've unfollowed him on Instagram because of his like funny but weird a- antics that are just too much to like just <laughs> spend my time, you know, <laughs> scrolling through, you know, as just you see his vid, you know, that pops up. It's- uh, it's tone deaf too. Like, like when they were going to that game in uh, was it in England? He was talking about everybody sleeping on the plane. He's doing high knees. And <laughs> yeah, playing. I'm like, dude, shut up. I know. Sit down, man. It's like you know, it's just a lie. I'm trying to watch. I'm trying to watch Top Gun Maverick over here, and you're doing high knees. Yeah, like, great. Come on, man. But I gotta say, if there's one player that that beats him on just. And it's because it comes out of nowhere. It's like he seems so ordinary. You don't really hear much. And then when you do hear, it's just outlandish stuff. Is Whoa, don't, don't you even. <laughs> oh, dude, don't you're, even compare your let's ride douchebag uh, former quarterback with my quarterback, sir. Let's ride. Don't, don't you're you're telling me that his, his weirdness compare. of like, I'm going to go smoke, you know, what is that? Peyote or whatever. Peyote. Um, then I, I'm gonna go to my darkness, my camp. Like, like people do that to, to try to come up with things. I'm not saying that I'm gonna go do it, but the fact of the matter is, is that when it matters, when he's in the locker room, when he's on the field, Aaron does his thing, whereas Russell apparently doesn't. So, Oof. Oof. yeah, wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Uh, what about two years ago, what about two years ago? What about this last year? What was that? What about two years ago in this last year? Was what it two mean? years ago? Or was he he just... at least was performing on the field. We didn't win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that he actually does his job as a leader and as a player on the field, whereas Russell obviously doesn't. So, okay, let's ride, baby. Hey, let's hey, ride down hey. that that freaking road. Hey, Wasn't it all season long where they talked about? It, let's rein it back in. We got to finish strong. We're at two hours of recording already. So, uh <laughs> Let's let's hold this off. People have heard this already, right? Great. Okay. Thanks. All right, David. What is your quick take? You know what? My quick take. I had a well, I had a quick quick take and then a quick take. My oh, quick boy. quick take was going to be about something that Nick would be happy about. But I don't know if I want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, this mother trucker. 
Goodness gracious. <laughs> but I'll rise above. I'll rise above podcast world because Nick's, you know, just, you know, just jelly. That's that's fine. So my quick, quick take is that for the first time, the first time in, in ACC history, a ACC head coach, first time head coach, went undefeated at home in their first season. It's the first time ever. John Shire, Duke Duke University's um, new head coach, very first season since Coach K, uh, hung up his, uh, hung him up, um, went undefeated at home. It's the first time that's happened in ACC history that a first-year head coach has done it. And it's the first time – since well 2019 that the florida florida state did it they're the last ones to do that but to go undefeated at home in the acc but duke did it the the last time duke did it was 10 years ago in 2013 under coach k and actually it wasn't until six seasons into coach k's tenure that 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 he actually went undefeated at home and it actually has only happened 18 times um in duke's history 11 of those were were Coach K's so pretty wow. imp- uh, pretty impressive for John Shire in his first season. I mean, as it stands right now, the Duke Blue Devils are currently um, uh, twenty two and eight overall, uh, going thirteen and six in the conference, and they're projected to be a six seed in Ju- uh, Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology uh, for the March for Mar- the March Madness uh, tournament, uh, the NCAA tournament. Um, but no, I mean, I think that was quite impressive, you know. So tip of the cap to John Shire uh, for trying, for you know, attempting to fill those big shoes. And uh, yeah, I mean, for going undefeated at home, that's pretty impressive, especially in the ACC. I think anyone would probably would agree with that. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I've watched them all season long. I think, I mean, first off, that is an incredible feat. Uh, they do have a very outstanding class that has come in for him, which I was really surprised about. Uh, but even with that, um, that good of a class that came in. Like between uh, Mitchell, Proctor, and Filipowski? Yeah. Um, I think that they have performed in certain regards better coaching-wise, wise, uh, looking just primarily at coaching. Um, you You really understand a system that he's throwing out there, and he's just not playing – you know, let's throw it in my best, you know, and no disrespect to Kobe. Absolutely love, you know, outstanding player, but in the NBA style where you just got one player and he's kind of doing everything and there's not really a set scheme that's, uh, that's happening. Yeah. One thing going into the season, you look at like uh, Gonzaga, which is a huge system. It is complete coaching. Uh, you know, no disrespect to their players. They have good players, but their players are not, on the level of Kentucky and Duke and, and, you know, North Carolina and, you know, the list goes on of the big 10, you know, stuff like that. Uh, But, you know, coaching really matters for that team and being able to win. And this season, uh, you see a a system in place. You see them executing a lot. They are struggling against the top ranked teams in the, in the the tournament. I, I don't think they've won a game to be honest. Um, or regarding the Kobe comment, didn't wasn't Phil Jackson when he was coached there? Wasn't that his whole yeah the, the triangle, triangle system, which was different? Like Kobe, Phil Jackson was different 
you know, Kobe at the end, you know, uh, it, it transitioned more into Kobe's show and then they had to kind of rein him back and bring in Pau Gasol and kind of institute a little bit more of a triangle. But that was the knock on him is that he could have won so many more championships if he didn't play the style of like, you know, ISO, you know, get the flip out of the way. I'm going to score, you know, type of thing. Um, as Michael Jordan, you know, there's that notorious saying where he's going to make this a one-on-one game, you know, type of thing. Right. But, uh, no, going forward, I, I, I was surprised by Shire and his hiring. Um, it's never really good. The coach that's right after, I think the UNC coach is probably one of the only, uh, actually it's happened twice with UNC with the coach now. And then the coach that took over for Dean Smith Roy Williams. Uh, Roy Williams. Um, so that's actually an anomaly of having that much success after each coach. Uh, so I've been very nervous about Shire after the notorious, I consider all-time uh, great co- greatest coach of all time and Coach K. So mad respect to him for that. Just uh, And just, you know, yes or no. Well, actually, not even yes or no. I mean, how far do you think that – just say, and no explanation needed, just – to say how far do you think? How far do you think Duke's going to go into the tournament this year? They will lose in the first round if they make wow. it. Wow! Oh, wow! Well, they're they, going they, to make it to the tournament. Yeah, they, they, they. There's a possibility they don't. There is a road for that. Like UNC might be out of it. They're fighting for the like they're like a bubble team trying to get in. Um, so I would if, be shocked if Duke didn't get in. If Duke doesn't finish, if they finish the way that they did in the middle of the season, then they're out. But if they win 80 to 85% of their games and then have a stronger performance in the uh, ACC tournament, then they're in. But the problem with them is that they have really good big men. They have no guards. They have That's no depth. And, which is a uh, – thank you. Like Duke in its history has been known for guard play, shooting threes, guard play, um, small forwards, stuff like that. Never really centers. That's been a UN – Right. Uh, I think back to like uh, J.J. Reddick and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I I just don't – when the teams that – if you look at the teams that have beat them, it's been teams that have very great – very um, experienced guards, and they're slashers. They can do ISO. They can defend. Uh, that has been the Achilles heel of Duke this season. Well, you know- well, the, you know, at this point, though, I mean, since their losses to Miami, to ranked Miami and Virginia, uh, which one was a blowout, but the Virginia game was close at least. Um, but they've they've won five straight games, and they, they finish off the season uh, coming up on the fourth here on March fourth against North Carolina at at the Dean Dome. Yeah, I, I don't really look at that game. That's more of a desperation game for UNC than it is for Duke. I mean, Duke's still got to win it because they got to make, you know, they got to win the games that they, they do. And that's kind of a name brand, you know, game that they, you know, that the. It's so, it's so weird to see UNC at 19 and 11. That's so weird. That is weird. Yeah. I, I If, if uh, Roy Williams was there, he would do his notorious benching the entire starting lineup and bringing in <laughs> all the backups. He was so notorious for that. Or he'd yeah. get so mad and, and have like a dizzy spell. And then he would, after like, you know, stumbling to the seat or whatever, he would like pull everybody out and send in all the rookies. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was notorious for that. That's okay. funny. 
Well, that, that was my real quick. That was my quick, quick take. But my other quick take that I was going to talk about just very briefly, because I know we're kind of going kind of long right now, um, is regarding the XFL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the XFL, I mean, for those that don't know, I mean, newly acquired XFL, which led by a consortium uh, uh, by uh, three different people. But Dwayne Johnson. is uh, the leader of that consortium that has has purchased the league, uh, XFL. And as it stands right now, there are currently, let's see here. I just had it up and I accidentally closed out the window as, you know, as it's, uh, that's supposed to happen. So good stuff. Um, dang it. There we go. Here we go. So there's eight teams in the XFL. So the XFL is a professional, uh, professional football league that, um, I wouldn't say is a is a um, a rival necessarily, or even the, or even like something that could affect the NFL. But I mean, it still is, you know, a professional football league, uh, just like the USFL, which actually had a pretty good product last year um, when they on their on their last season. Um, but as it's eight teams across the United States: uh, the DC Defenders, Seattle Sea Dragons, St. Louis Battlehawks. Vegas Vipers, Arlington Renegades, Houston Roughnecks, or and the San Antonio Brahmas. So eight teams of the XFLs, or that what they have. Uh, and it's interesting, actually, the head coaches of these teams. I, I didn't notice that until I, I looked into this, but um, some actual, some pretty big names. I mean, you've got uh, you've got Jim Haslett, um, who's been a coach around the NFL quite a bit for the Seattle Sea Dragons. You've got Rod Woodson, Hall of Famer Rod Woodson for the Vegas Vipers. Um, Matt, you'll know this name, Bob Stoops, uh, yep. Arlington Renegades, so former Oklahoma coach. You've got yep. Nick was talking about him pretty highly earlier on the podcast. Wade Phillips, uh, head coach of the Houston Roughnecks. No way. Whoa. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then you've got, and the last one that was pretty, uh, pretty uh, big, Heinz Ward, the head coach of the San Antonio Brahmas. <laughs> so, uh, some pretty interesting names, but you know, at this point, uh, when it comes to the, this this league, um, they they had a, a huge week one, and I mean, compared to week one, their ratings have dropped pretty significantly, like fifty percent from week one to week two, which is not unheard of. They've actually done better than um, uh, let's see, they've done better than la- than the USFL last year with the rating drops that they had. Not by much, yeah. by seven percent, but still, I mean, it's better than. But I mean, but even with that being said, uh, they've had some uh, some pretty good uh, games so far. The rules are obviously different compared to, uh, between the XFL and the NFL rules. Uh, just some different tweaks that they that that they've done to really show the uh, to to ch- uh, change the game for the better, at least for the casual and NFL fans. I mean, some of the rules are like the kickoffs are different, so. Um, Kickoffs are different. Uh, punts, points after touchdowns, double forward passes. Um, I think. Uh, let's see here, and like uh, just some different, some different, different, like uh, uh, some huge changes. Really, if it, if it happened on the NFL level, which it won't, um, is what they've done. But anyway, so it's an interesting product. Uh, what I really wanted to highlight with my quick take, though, is AJ McCarron, uh, the the uh, quarterback of. Um, 
he's the quarterback of the, of the St. Louis Battle Hawks. Um, so AJ McCarron, I mean, if you guys remember him, he uh, it was the quarterback of the Alabama Crimson Tide um, in college. He won two national championships with the, with the Crimson Tide uh, back in uh, twenty. Let's see here. It was twenty eleven. No, I'm sorry. It was uh, I want to say twenty twelve and twenty thirteen is when he won those. I believe. Um, it was that I think it was eleven and twelve or twelve and thirteen. But regardless, I mean, so a pretty successful college career. Um, but then you know, going to the NFL, he's pretty much been a backup for six years. That's all he's done. Um, but one of the biggest reasons why he joined the XFL um, is because of, of his the chance to play in the first place. The guy loves to play. I mean, he uh, he had sat out for the 21 and 22 NFL seasons before signing with the XFL. And the biggest biggest thing for him is wanting to play so his boys can see him play football. You know what I mean? Uh, which yeah. I thought was a pretty awesome thing. I mean, obviously, as a backup, I mean, do you guys know um, the league, the uh, the NFL uh, league minimum a salary is right now? The NFL, uh, isn't it like uh, 600 and something thousand? I think right now, um, let's see here, the NFL minimum, because he's been in for six years. So I want to say it's like right under... Oh, actually, that's not what I'm gonna look at. I'm looking at uh, it's seven hundred and five thousand. No, that that's for uh, the NFL. No, that that's for with with no no years. I mean, that, that's as it stands right now where he's at on like how many years he's put in. It's one point zero eight million. Oh, gotcha. So even as a backup, I mean, he could he could make some pretty significant, some life changing money. There's no question. But instead, he's chosen to play in a league that pays him. 60,000 for the season he gets i think he gets 5,000 yeah 5,000 a week and a thousand bucks every time he wins so honestly it reminds me of um of a kurt warner of a kurt warner situation now i'm not saying that aj mccarron's the next kurt warner from a talent standpoint but i mean and of course when kurt warner played uh in um in the arena football league he did it i mean because he wanted to try to play so he can still be in it still play so we can have a potentially have a chance eventually at playing the NFL, which, you know, maybe who knows, maybe for AJ McCarron, that's always, that's a possibility in the future still. But I mean, he, he is of course getting older. I think I'm not sure how old he is now. Um, I'd have to double check to see his age, but even with that being said, I mean, he wants to be able to make memories. And so, I mean, Hey, if, if someone had the ability to play football for 60,000 bucks a season, you know what I mean? As a career for a few, I mean, for a year or two, I mean, who wouldn't do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So to be able, but I just love the reasoning. You know, obviously he could be, he could make, he could be a millionaire. I mean, he's obviously made money in the NFL already, um, but he could still continue to make millions before finally he's just not good enough to be a, a backup anymore. Which I mean, look at look at the history of backups in the NFL in NFL history. I mean, I think uh, there was oh my gosh, I can't remember his name right now, but there was a Steelers quarterback that was a backup to Big Ben for the longest freaking time. Um, that's going to bother me. It's uh so backup QB for big Ben. I got to look that up just real quick. Um, Steve would know this. He would dang it. Uh, yeah. in, let's see. In is one, it the, the Stewart guy? Cordell nope. Stewart? No, of course. I don't think so. Uh, is it the guy there still, um, Tommy Maddox. 
Oh, Tommy oh. Maddox. See? So Earl Stewart was before him. So he was the backup uh, to Big Ben for so long, and and you can make a living, you know, being a backup quarterback. I mean, because of course there's always a chance you you have to go in. I mean, but ultimately, I mean, you're in the QB room, you're planning just as much as the quarterback. I mean, maybe not to the, the crazies extent as they would have to, but still, I mean, because you have, but you have to because what if you go in? Like, what Steve, if here's in? here's the thing. Here is where that thing might be the stupidest decision in the world is what's the point? What is the point of this league if the NFL doesn't utilize it like they do college as far as selecting players? Of the XFL? And, and actually using the XFL as a transition to league for people to get better and then to get back into the NFL and to succeed. Because if the NFL doesn't use them as a development league, then mm-hmm. it means it's going to mean nothing, and the XFL is just going to fall apart. And then this McCarran guy or whatever that chose to play for sixty thousand dollars a year, it, he's not going to play anymore. And he just well, I, I think that's the, that's the whole point. My quick take though, Nick, is that he doesn't. It, it, I don't. I don't. I think he's okay with that. I think at this point, he loves football enough where he just wants to play, and he recognizes that if he if he re, if if he goes to the NFL, if he signed with another team, he wouldn't. He would just yeah. sit on the bench. And his kids would never get to see him play, but now, yeah. but now they, they can. They can watch their daddy. I mean, play, uh, play professional football. Which maybe it's not professional football in the NFL, but it's it's still football on the big on, on a big stage. And that's and there's a I, I there's think a that you could still have uh, earned himself on. Like, uh, what was that guy from the USFL? Uh, played for the Panthers this year. Got a decent run actually. But he was picked off, picked up from one of those rosters. Uh, PJ something. Oh, you're talking about. Um, oh my gosh, what's his freaking name? Oh, that's gonna bother me. It's um, you know what I'm talking about though, right? Like I know he exactly was. You're talking about yeah. He had a great season for you know it was a short season, but then uh, was picked up as like a third string quarterback, and he ended up playing this year in the NFL as a starter. I think it was. Hold up, we gotta look it up one second. I think that's why he's looking that up. I, I, I think that the travesty that I see as far as the supposed like you know, you can say like the Canadian Football League and, and you know the XFL, that one that failed before, which it might be the XFL before it actually, you know, started this year. But is that the NFL's relationship with college football is so strong that people are going to value the uncertainty of players more than the development of players. And so college and that next new toy that's going to be pushed into the NFL uh, with through the combine and all these other things, it's got millions and millions of dollars funneled into them. That's the thing that sucks is that you're, you're my fear is that all these leagues that people invest in and, and want to develop and the list goes on. They just the the um, sports uh, I don't know franchise or whatever you want to call those organizations. They just die out because the NFL just focuses primarily on the funneling of college players into the NFL. Well, yeah, I I, I don't think that. I mean, like, but like I was saying, I I think regarding my quick take though, it was just highlighting Agent McCarron recognizes that. It's not just about money. He he wants to be able to create memories for himself and his boys, and I thought that was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, but on the 
other side of the coin. I mean, regarding, you know, other professional leagues like the USFL, the XFL, um, the, it was the AAU football, whatever that was kind of thing. Those are leagues that are trying to pr- uh, present a, a different product to the, to the football fan uh, kind of deal. I, th- I think that's the only way that I, I do agree with you to the point where I think they can – Oh, by the way, that player was P.J. Walker, quarterback. For the oh, Walker's, that's the right name. Yeah, yeah. P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker. But, but no, I think that the only way they can really probably be, uh, be sustainable, like on a, on a year-to-year basis, would be if they did try to bring players over kind of thing. You know, like if they uh, – if it, like at the D-League, for example, for the NBA. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, like you've got McClung, that, uh, who uh, – you know, was on the, in the D yeah. League and then got signed by the 76ers and then won the, the slam dunk contest, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Um, and I so, think the, the hard part about all that is there's just not enough attention to, to detail being given to players because there's only so many coaches and those coaches have so many players already that they have to look over and develop that. Whereas like the G League, you know, that they created for the NBA, it's actual – um, players and coaches and development thing. So now you actually have high school players that are going straight to the G League and surpassing college because the way they look at it is is I can learn more and develop more in tune with a team through the G League than actually going to college. And so because the only because the NBA put funds and coaches and have a system in place to bring people up through the G League uh, of development, and, you know, I, I love that story that he wants to to play football. And I'm sorry to kind of take to rob your your quick take. It just it sucks because you have these. I've always said for years, you know, you know this, Dave, that I feel like there's more quarterbacks out there that could play that are good players that could be franchise quarterbacks sure. in the league. But again, you have so many players that are funneled in and then so much dollars that are wrapped up into that top guy that that person unless you get drafted and you show it right away you will always be a backup and you'll yeah. never play and that's just a, it's a sad reality sorry well, to kind of strip away your quick take well no but but regarding the XFL though i mean I, i'd say let's give it a chance i mean i know it's only it's only been one week or two weeks now a uh, kind of deal but they've also signed a deal i mean with disney Walt Disney Company I mean, so that's regarding ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, and FX. I mean, to, to through 2027, I mean, I mean to, uh, I think it was 2027 is when I read it. It was, uh, where's it at? Gosh darn it. I just, I had it on my freaking screen, but I don't know where it went. But anyway, they, but they signed a, a pretty huge deal with them to be able to, I mean, to air the games, to get more, to get more uh, exposure out there. Uh, and who knows? I mean, maybe it could be some eventually be some type of developmental thing. But I mean, you got to start somewhere, though. You know. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think I like what they said on their website. So this is on the XFL's website. So the XFL is a fan-first, fast-paced global professional football league with innovative rules and an, an enhanced 360-degree game experience, um, and anchored in world-class football. The XFL brings entertainment and innovation to advance the sport. So that's, you know, different rules, especially a lot of fans prefer to change, like would want to have changed um, and actually be a part of it. Expand player opportunities to give players a chance to play and even get exposure, which does happen. 
and change the way that fans experience the game. So, you know, hey, all power to them. You know, um, if and apparently, and I, I, I'll admit, I didn't watch week one or week two, to be to be honest. Um, but may, especially after seeing what AJ McCarron has done and reading about what he decided, like I, I want, I want to watch it now. Like especially for him to see these are guys that are playing for for their lives. You know what I mean? Like playing for that shot. I mean, it, it just if anything. Like to highlight what you said about like if there's so many play, uh, quarterbacks and even players that play in college that don't get a shot. I mean, because what's the percentage again of, of 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 players who make it to the NFL? Isn't like one percent of college players? Yeah, something like that. Like it's it's crazy low. And now that's just that that's what happens. The cream rises to the top. That's that's professional football. That's the NFL for you, especially with the product that it is and like you know how you know how talented these players are. But I mean. Why does the dream have to stop? I mean, at least give them an opportunity to be able to show, hey, you know what? I can play, you know, at the very least to give, give me a shot. Here's my here's some tape. You know, I can still play this game and I can actually make an impact. And then let's see what happens. You know, I mean, P.J. Walker, I mean, that's one player. But still, I mean, he, he started in NFL, NFL games last season as a quarterback, for goodness sakes. So I'm not saying that they're going to be that league for the NFL. Um, or, or, you know, or what they're going to be, or they could, they could, you know, close up their do- doors again. I mean, the XFL tried earlier in the, in, uh, in, in the early 2000s and 2001 to start this with Vince McMahon at the helm, but, but with, uh, uh, Danny Garcia and with the, the rock, uh, with Dwayne Johnson at the helm, you know, and I, I just, I, I would think that they have at least some business acumen to the point where they can actually know what they know what they're doing and they're going to try their best to try to make this thing work. You know, yeah. but, but exposure is number one, you know, uh, it, oh, yeah. especially in a, in, in a league where in a sport, rather, that is so dom- dominated in the United States. So, and I tell you what, Vince McMahon was not, you know, they they got smart with uh, him not being involved because not the name that you want branded. You right. don't want that brand. <laughs> not but for I, football, at least. But I but yeah. I but I do believe that, you know, hey, it could be something you, you never know. I think the, the the XFL and the USFL. I mean, for me, hey, more football the better. And I mean, uh, and I, I just hope that it does turn into more opportunities for these guys because, you know, it's one of those things. Like we've all, you know, we've all uh, have seen players that we feel like should have been, you know, had another chance or should have had a, had a chance and never got one. So, if not more of a, you know, more of an opportunity for them to be seen by NFL scouts and. You know, or to build at least build some tapes so then someone can see him. You know what I mean? I mean, and for me, I, I'm gonna go, I always go back to Kurt Warner. I mean, the guy played arena football. You know, and if not for that, I mean, we would we wouldn't have had, you know, a super a a, a, a Hall of Famer, first round Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? It's I mean, true. that's crazy. So, and I'm not saying that it's, it has to, it's gonna happen for everybody. I mean, because it's not like it's something like, oh yeah, we're gonna have a, one guy, you know, year that's gonna turn into a Hall of Famer. But the opportunities there, I think that's what matters. I agree. I get you. So, well, I think this is a great place to to call it a end of a pod. Um, that was good stuff. I'm excited. I think in the coming weeks we're going to talk more about draft and draft prep and all that kind of stuff. I know Nick, you and I have kind of flirted with it a bunch throughout the season, but we promise not to really get into it till till the off season. Well. We're there, right? We're there, baby. <laughs> Not to mention we're the there. fact that we're going to be making our we're making our uh, 
World Series champion picks pretty soon here, eh? <laughs> Dude, baseball season. Grabbing baseball a dollar, get a beer. Here. It's here. Baseball mm-hmm. is here, baby. It's getting closer. Matt's like, shoot me so now. Excited. <laughs> All right. Well, peace out, Girl Scouts. All right. Peace See you out. guys. Bye. Bye.